Well, hey, good morning, church. Hey, it's so good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, missed y'all last week. Barb and I took a uh, short, well, maybe a long weekend, four-day weekend, and went to Illinois, hung out with some family, went to a NASCAR race. I did. Barb didn't. Um, but yeah, we missed being here with you guys, so it's so good to see all your faces today. I appreciate Wesley Bolden from Christian Financial Resources for filling in last week for preaching in my absence. And I really appreciated the fact that he chose to come uh, bring his message from the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. And I got a chance to listen to this whole service in its entirety <clears throat> on the way home from, from Illinois, driving back on Monday. And it was great to hear Wesley talking about the idea of the Apostle Paul and wanting us to see the reality of death that comes through sin. But more importantly, that he wanted us to see the reality of a new life that's found in Jesus Christ. And then his teaching that we were reminded that when we choose to follow life, that we are choosing life over death. And what Wesley didn't realize when he brought that message, when he prepared it in advance, is that he was actually setting the stage for this new teaching series we have here at Fork called Choose This not that. Choose this, not that. So thank you, Wesley, for not knowing that you're doing that, but letting the Holy Spirit lead you in your teaching, right? Choose this, not that. Think about it, friends. Life is full of choices, isn't it? I mean, we choose what we have for breakfast. You chose it this morning. You chose whether you were going to eat or not. You chose what to wear. You chose whether you're going to be watching online or whether you're going to be sitting in this room this morning. Some of us chose which vehicle we're going to drive to church, right? It's nice to have options. This morning I actually woke up thinking, oh, I'm going to ride the motorcycle today. Well, that's what I thought. And then I thought, man, gas is five bucks a gallon. I could ride the bike. I could get wet. Or I could drive the now infamous ugly gray Ford Ranger and stay dry. I opted for the Ranger. Life is full of choices, isn't it? I mean, we've already, if we haven't already done so, we're going to figure out what are we doing for lunch today, right? Are we going back home to eat? Or are we going out? And if we're going out, where are we going to go? And then it's what are we going to do with the rest of our afternoon? Is the rain going to quit? Can we get some yard work done? Are we going to work on a house project? Are we just going to sit around and watch sports all afternoon? See, choices never seem to come to an end. And we think about just those little few choices I talked about just in this first few seconds of, of this teaching today. It's just the tip of the iceberg of the number of decisions that we will make throughout the day. Now, I'll give a disclaimer here. I'm not a big fan of statistics. I think statistics can be skewed to say just about anything you want them to, to, to say. But I did read somewhere this past week or two weeks ago um, about decisions. And, and an article that I read, and again, I choose to be skeptical, but the article I read said that we make 35,000 decisions every day. 35,000 decisions every day. Subtract the amount of time that you're asleep, 35,000 decisions that you make. I mean, just think about it. When you got to church, where am I going to park? Who am I going to look at when I walk in the front doors? Who am I going to talk to? Am I going to go to the bathroom first or am I going to go get coffee first? Oh, is it going to be coffee or is it going to be tea? Is it going to be tea or is it going to be hot chocolate, right? Where am I going to sit? Am I going to sing? How loud am I going to sing? Am I going to sing loud enough for the person next to me to hear me? Am I going to sing loud enough for Nick on stage to hear me, right? Am I going to take notes during the teaching today? Or is Virgil going to talk too fast and I don't know what he's saying, right? We're going to make these decisions. All these decisions we have to make. See, our choices are nonstop. 
And sometimes we're making choices and we're not even realizing that we're doing it. I don't choose to do what I do with my hands when I speak. But something in my brain tells me to move my hands when I talk. Right? I don't sub- it's all subconscious. Sometimes we make choices and they just kind of flow. They just kind of come naturally, almost like second nature. But on the other hand, there are these choices that we have to make that no matter how much we try, they leave us struggling. They just seem to be difficult. Uncertainty surrounds them. Do I choose this or do I choose that? Choices. There's lots of choices that we make in this life that are not necessarily right. They're not necessarily wrong. They just are, right? Uh, I have two different kinds of deodorant things in my medicine cabinet, right? When I think I'm really going to sweat, I break out the antiperspirant. When I'm not going to sweat, I just break out the deodor- deodorant, right? Two different kinds of flosses. Hey, on a busy morning, it's floss picks. On a not-so-busy morning, it's real floss. You know, wrap it around your finger, do the whole thing. Who flosses? I'm not a dentist. I was just checking, right? <laughs> right? Listen, I don't struggle with, be- with, which- with which floss to use. I know which ones I'm going to use when. I wonder, do any of you struggle making choices? Do you struggle making decisions? You don't have to raise your hands on that one. I know that I struggle. In fact, there's one place where I probably struggle more than any other place. The place that I am the absolute worst when it comes to making choices. It's in a restaurant. A new restaurant, especially, with a big menu. I mean, do you want to see me at my absolute anxious worst? Do you want to really watch me squirm? Take me out to eat at a restaurant that I've never been to before that has a multiple-page menu, and you will watch me suffer. Trust me. Just ask my wife. Once in a while, I'll make a really quick decision, and she'll look at me like, are you sure? I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know? A few years ago, I went to a convention um, with uh, some other pastors and our families, and, and we all planned to eat dinner together at this restaurant. Um, and, and knowing that sitting down with my peers in a new place with a new menu was going to trigger some weird emotions for me. I went down early in the day to check out the menu so I could already figure out what I was going to order that night. And while I was down there, there stood across the room for me another pastor whom I really uh, valued and, and respected. And I said, Charles, what are you doing down here? And I saw that he had a menu in his hand. And he explained that he came down to look at the menu because just like me, he got anxious when it came time to making that decision about what to eat. Whew, what a relief, man. I'm not alone in that, right? See, deodorant and floss and menus, well, they can cause us aggravation. The choices that we make about them might impact the moment. And I don't know if this series is really going to help you with those kind of choices. But friends, there are a lot of choices that we make in our day-to-day lives that will literally determine whether we get to live our best life or whether our choices will rob us of life. Choices that we will make where we will either help others live their best life or intentionally or unintentionally, we will rob them of their life as well. See, there are some choices and decisions that we make in our daily lives that if we choose one way, the choice we will make, we will rebelliously and belligerently stand in opposition to Jesus Christ if we choose them. Or if we choose the other way, we will humbly and submissively reflect the very nature and example of Christ. Over the next few weeks in this series called Choose 
this, not that, will lean into the scripture to help us determine how we can navigate through life in the best ways possible, reflecting the very image of Jesus Christ. See, here at Fork, we often say we're a bunch of imperfect people chasing after a perfect God. And if that's true, and I believe that it is, then none of us are exempt from making bad choices. We are literally all just one choice or just one moment away from making a choice that stands in the opposition to, that flies in the face of what Jesus wants for us and what Jesus has for us. And friends, we got to know that the opportunity to make bad choices isn't just a young person problem. It's not just a midlife crisis kind of problem. It's just not a getting up in years kind of problem. Friends, making bad choices isn't an industrial age problem. It's not a technological age problem. The opportunity to make bad choices is not dependent upon our status, our wealth, our place in life. Friends, the opportunity to make horrible choices is a universal, worldwide, all throughout history, people problem. Everyone struggles sometimes with making God-pleasing, life-giving choices. It's been that way from the beginning of time. It is not new. In Genesis chapter 2, the very first book of, of our Bible, we read about the creation of man. And in, in these words, Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, And the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Skip down to verse 15. It says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the tree of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. See, like a loving father, God did not set Adam up for failure. He set him up for success. He says, you can choose life. It's all there, all for you, all for the taking, all that you'll ever need. Go ahead, eat of the tree and eat of the tree of life. Just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And most of us probably know the rest of the story. Satan shows up in the garden. He tempts Eve. He deceives her. She eats. And she gives some to Adam who ate it as well. And they became aware of their sin. And they hid out from God. Friends, just like Adam and Eve, we are literally just one moment away from making a choice that will change our lives and the lives of others forever. You see, for Adam and Eve, that choice at that moment, it became paradise broken. It became perfection scarred, relationship severed. Their decision, their choice moved them from confidence to fear, from innocence to shame, from unity to division, from honesty to betrayal, and from blessing to cursing. In the next chapter, Genesis 3, starting at verse 22, then the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out? Take fruit from the tree of life and eat it. Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the garden. And he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. 
And after sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden and placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. You see, Adam and Eve's choice moved them from life to death. See, much like you and me, Adam and Eve stood at a crossroads of choices. A choose this, not that moment. A choice by which not only would the course of their very lives be impacted and directed, but the courses of the lives of all who would come after them would be impacted and directed as well. And friends, we don't always think about it, but when you and me, when we are confronted with those opportunities to make life-giving or life-taking choices, we find ourselves at the same crossroads, a decision point in which the course of our life is directed, but also, too, the course of others' lives are directed as a result of our choices. I don't know what brought you here this morning. I don't know what you kind of came in with this morning. Maybe you walked through these doors or maybe you joined us online this morning and you recognize that you have made decisions and you have made choices that have had a negative impact on your life as well as on the lives of those around you. Choices that have brought spiritual death, emotional death, relational death. Maybe if you're just feeling the weight of that this morning, if you came in that way, you need to know that you are not only alone because you're in the midst of a bunch of other broken people, but you're also not alone because there is a God in heaven who wants to take those hurts from you. He chooses to love us anyway. And if you came in this morning and you're already a follower of Jesus and you're carrying those weight, carrying that burden, cry out to Jesus right now. Take the moment. Quit listening to me. Talk to the Father. Confess those sins to him and allow him to cleanse you of them to forgive you of them, to take that burden away. But if you're not a believer, if you're trapped in the bad choices of life, I want to assure you this morning that there is hope, there is a way out. There's a way to move from death and there's a way to move into brand new life. And it is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul sums it up this way as he wrote to the churches in Rome, Romans chapter 5, verse 18, he says, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. To the church of Corinth, he wrote, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 21. So you see... Just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Friends, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never repented of your sins, if you've never uh, received the forgiveness that God offers, if you've never chosen to move from spiritual death into spiritual life, if you've never publicly declared your faith in Jesus, if you've never been united with his death and burial and resurrection through baptism, I encourage you, don't leave here this morning hanging out in death when you have the opportunity to walk away fully alive. I would love to talk to you about that as soon as the service is over. Jesus and choosing to follow him is the start of our ability to truly choose life, not choose death. To move from 
those choices that destroy us into those destroys those choices that give us life. Now, for the rest of our time today, we're going to move from choosing life, not death, into the idea of choosing encouragement, not gossip. Choose encouragement, not gossip. Choose this, not that. Now, some of you might be thinking, really, man, Virgil, man, that's, we just went from death to life, and now we're going to talk about words? Maybe we should have started with something a little grittier, you know, war and hatred and murder and stuff. We think about it, right? I mean, when they choose this, not that scenario, in our minds there are lots of obvious things like, oh, these are the things that we shouldn't do, right? Think about the Ten Commandments. Don't kill, don't steal, right? Don't lie. Some of us are familiar with the seven deadly sins. You know, don't do greed, don't do lust, don't do anger. I mean, these are bad. These are like really bad. These things certainly don't bring life. They produce destruction and division and death. So why choose encouragement and not gossip? Friends, here's why. Because our words can be some of the most life-giving or death-dealing things imaginable. Our words can become some of the most can be some of the most life-giving or death-dealing words or things imaginable. Listen to this Proverbs, Proverbs 18:21. It says, "The tongue can bring death or life." Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Choose encouragement, not gossip. Choose this, not that. Just so you guys know, this teaching is not limited to encouragement. and It's not limited to gossip. Those words just represent the types of words that we say. And so for the rest of our teaching today, when we talk about encouragement, I want you to think about anything positive or good or life-giving that comes as a result of our words. And if we talk about gossip, let it represent any negative or destructive or death-dealing things that come as a result of our words. Our words have power. Our words have impact. The New Testament writers had much to say about our words Listen to the words that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. It's from the New International Version because it's the way I grew up learning it and I love it. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We use the NLT here most of the time and it says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Choose this, not that. Choose encouraging words. Choose helpful words. Choose words that meet needs. Do not choose unwholesome words, abusive words, angry words, damaging words. James, in his uh, epistle, writes in James chapter 3, verse 6, he's having this whole conversation about the power of the tongue. And he says, among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness. It corrupts your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Talking about the tongue, talking about the words that we use and their power. Again, I'm not much of a statistic guy, but I don't know why I'm using stats today. But did you know that there were 338 homicides in the city of Baltimore last year? There were 54 
additional in Baltimore County. And when I was looking at these figures, I didn't even look at the other numbers of violent crimes, but they are there. And friends, that's horrible. It's atrocious. It's a tragedy. But stop to think about it. Is anybody keeping track of the number of careless words that are being said? Is anybody tracking the amount of destruction and death that our poor choice of words are bringing? See, friends, if we truly want to reflect Christ, we must choose encouragement and not gossip. Paul, as he is writing to the church at Rome, he is talking about God's anger at sin. And he listed gossip and quarreling right in the same sentence as hate and murder. Listen to these words, Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 29. He says, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. Oh, and they disobey their parents. I just love that last piece. <laughs> but think about it. Who would have ever thought that in the same sentence, murder would be compared to our words, that gossip could be seen as harmful as hatred? 2 Corinthians chapter 12 Paul's writing about uh, concerns that he has about the church. And he was concerned that they would become quarrelsome. That they would become full of jealousy and full of anger. And full of selfishness and full of slander. Full of gossip and full of arrogance and full of disorderly behavior. Why? Because those tear up the church. In Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 he says, Let your conversations be gracious and attractive. So that you'll have the right response for everyone. I like the way the New International Version puts it. It says, let your words be full of grace, seasoned with salt. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Peter writes, and he says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Friends, when it comes to using the words that we say, the words that we post, that we text, that we tweet, that we snap, the words that we display on our hats or on our t-shirts or on our cars or on our coffee mugs, we should choose words that encourage, that benefit, that help, and that uplift those that we speak to, that those that we speak about, and that those who happen to hear those conversations about them. We should choose this. And when it comes to using those same words in those same scenarios and those same situations, we should not use words that are abusive or unwholesome or coarse or destructive or full of gossip. We should not choose that. Friends, if we want to navigate the best life possible for ourselves and the best life possible for other people, we need to reflect the image of Christ. And by doing that, we need to choose encouragement. Well, how do we do that, Virgil? How do we do that? Well, we do it by choosing to encourage. It's that simple. Encouragement has to become a choice. I see it's not always easy and it's certainly not always natural. So I'm going to give you some practical steps and practical ways. One of the most important things I think that we can be doing, and you're welcome to jot these down, is we need to be looking for the good. 
We need to be catching people doing good, doing the right thing. We need to be encouraging that positive behavior, thanking them, encouraging them, telling them, building them up so that they will keep doing it. We also we need to be careful about how we speak to each other so that when we speak to one another or that when we're speaking about another, we need to choose words that indicate that we believe the best about them. That we want the best for them. And we want to always communicate the very best things about them as well. You see, our words should be helpful. Our words should be healthy. Our words should promote restoration and unity in our churches. And in our community. And in our homes. When we speak, we should make the name of Jesus great. We should make his church desirable. And we should certainly make his followers credible. We should choose this. If we want to navigate our best life and navigate the best life for others, we need to make choices that reflect the image of Christ. And by doing that, we need to not choose gossip. So here are some practical everyday ways that we should not choose that We need to remember that when we speak, just because it can be said, doesn't mean it should be said. Just because it can be said, doesn't mean it should be said. And just because we think it, doesn't mean we should say it. We can all probably learn from that one. When we find ourselves starting a sentence with these words, don't tell anyone I told you. I'm not supposed to say about this. Listen, we just need to stop talking. I've got some duct tape in my backpack. If you'd like to borrow it, all right? We need to stop talking. When we're talking, that's gossip, guys. We need to stop talking. And if we can't do that by ourselves, we need to listen to our spouse when they tell us to stop talking. If we're talking about a situation and we're not part of the problem and we're not part of the solution, we probably need to stop. Shut it down. And whether we're the talker, whether we're the listener in a conversation, we need to run a little uh, four-point test to it. We need to be asking ourselves, is it true? Is it kind? Is it needed? Is it helpful? Because if it fails, even one of those, friends, we want to choose this, not that. We need to shut it down. If we want to choose encouragement, And not gossip. We need to listen more. And we need to talk less. Even with those that we disagree strongly. Even those on the other side of the political fence. Even though those who hold life views different than yours on just about any hot button topic we could choose. And there are lots of them out there. And when we are tempted to talk negatively to them or critically to them, or negatively or critically about them, we need to first talk to our Heavenly Father about them and pray for them and pray for us so that He can equip us to speak to them with love and life when we're given the opportunity. Friends, let's choose encouragement, not gossip. Choose this, not that. Let's pray.
Jesus, you give us lots of choices, and this free will thing stinks sometimes because it does kind of fall on us. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with the choices that we make? What are we going to do with the words that we speak, the people that you put into our paths? Oh, it's so easy to, to want to speak our mind, um, to blurt out whatever comes. So easy to want to be negative and critical. It just comes naturally. So easy to not want to speak love and unity, but to speak frustration and division. So easy to not encourage and instead to gossip or to be critical or to be negative. Um, change us, Jesus. Help us reflect your image. Reflect your nature. Reflect your love. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.
today because you're alive in us. You're helping us to choose today to be encouragers and not spreading false things, Jesus. So help us to, to really lean in to your spirit today that we might be able to live like you. We make our hearts like yours, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Yes, go ahead and be seated. We're entering into our time of our worship where um, we encourage generosity. And when I think about generosity, I think, man, that really goes along so well with the idea of encouragement. Some of us aren't as good with the way things that we say, right? We're not, we're not always comfortable with our speech. We don't always know the right things to say at the right times. We don't always know how to pour into other people. Um, and, you know, that's great. God's given that gift to a lot of people. Um, but he's also given us all the ability to be generous. Um, because when we're generous, it makes a difference in the lives of people. When we're generous, it can encourage people. Certainly when we're generous, you know, it can, it can give uh, people an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, to make those life change decisions, to move from death into life. When we give, it encourage, lets us encourage people who are less fortunate than us. It allows us to take care packages and Bibles into neighborhoods and communities that may not have the finances or the resources. When we are generous, it gives us the opportunity to encourage people overseas. It gives us the opportunity to encourage kids who are going to summer camp. It gives us the opportunity to partner with ministries who are encouraging people as they are getting counseling through some of the rough patches of life. So when you and I are generous, when you and I give, it provides encouragement in so many ways. Thank you for your generosity here at Fork. Let's go ahead and pray and ask God's blessing uh, on our giving today. So Jesus, we thank you so much. Uh, that what we put uh, in a box, what we, uh, you know, swipe with our phone, what we text to give, what we go online and punch a dollar amount in, uh, that it makes a difference. Whether it's keeping the lights on here, providing uh, vacation Bible school opportunities, providing Sunday school, providing programming here at this church, whether it's blessing a Beachmont or, or Indian Lake, whether it's uh, pouring into uh, the McSavenies and Pioneer Bible Translators or Central India Christian Mission, whether it's pouring into True Life Discipleship Counseling so people get help with the hurts that they have. God, our generosity provides encouragement in so many ways to so many people. Thank you for that. Please use our gifts 
to make a difference and impact in people's lives and ultimately in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, if you guys want to turn your attention toward the baptistry, Good morning. There we go. <laughs> our baptistry is a little deep for some of our friends this morning. Um, today we have Dave and Anna for mom and dad here and getting baptized. We have two elementary kids, Grace and Eli. And so they're going to talk a little bit before. Um, so just to kind of give you a little background on us and especially Grace and Eli. So Grace and Eli were raised to know God's love, his forgiveness, and his word. Um, they understood, even at a young age, that they were sinful, which is not hard for any of us to figure out that we do bad things. And they needed God to forgive them. Dave and I never forced them to make those decisions because we knew it was something they had to make for themselves. Two years ago, um, after we had guided them and what the Bible says and we have taught them about it, they asked Jesus to be their Savior. We were so delighted. But Dave and I also knew that we had to wait for God's timing to work in their hearts. And so though we knew that the Bible called them to follow in baptism, we wanted them to make that personal choice as well. So again, um, through our Bible lessons and homeschooling and learning about God more, they learned about baptism in the Bible. During one of those lessons, they asked when they could be baptized. We discussed why we get baptized and what we are declaring to the world through our baptism. We are sinners. We need a Savior, and we have been given a new life in our Savior Jesus. This is what they are here today to declare. running a few minutes behind coming across the street so we'll get going okay are you guys ready okay do you want to talk into the mic right there are you ready to repeat after me who's going to go first you ready Eli. Eli. all right i believe i believe that jesus is the christ the son of the living god and i accept him and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You ready, Grace? I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Holy God. And I accept Him. And I accept Him. As my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, we celebrate with uh, the Schwartz family, um, uh, just, just a little funny. We are talking about this in staff meeting this week, and someone says, well, who's getting baptized? And I said, Eli and Grace Short, Schwartz. And I said it really quickly, and someone said, Eli and Grace Schwartz? 
<laughs> oh, so yes, yeah, so congratulations to Grace and Eli. We will not say that the other way this time. I kind of messed that up. So um, got a, uh, I would say a few quick announcements. We have some relatively quick announcements, but they're not few. Um, so thank you guys for your patience this morning. So first of all, um, if you uh, came in today or uh, just throughout the service today, you recognize you need someone to pray with you, just to spend some time with you. Um, as soon as the service is over, we have one of our um, prayer team volunteers. They'll be in the fire fireplace room. So go out this exit door over here, hook a quick right behind the fireplace, and they'll be there, the couches and stuff all set up. So just go and, and spend some time in prayer um, if you need that this morning. If you're new here at Fork, maybe it's your first time, second time, third time, and you want to get to know us a little bit better or give us the opportunity to get, you, get to know you a little bit better, I would love to join you back here at that orange table where the white light is glowing uh, for what we call Fork and Four. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the church, answer any questions you might have, give you a gift to say thanks for hanging out. Also earlier in the, in the teaching, I said, hey, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, uh, come hang out with me back there. I'd love to talk to you about that back in the corner um, as well. All right, so that's as soon as the service is over. Now what I need you to do is I need everybody to grab their phones. Grab your phone. It's okay. We're in church. It's all right. We, we give you permission to grab. You can bring in coffee. Surely you can play with your phone. Okay? Um, and so the next thing, the three things I want to talk about are all places that need signups. And so you can do that by scanning a QR code that's going to pop up here on the screen. All right. Um, there's also in front of you in the seat back pocket, there is a, uh, a piece of paper that's got this little QR code on it. It's called the hub. And it was the, it's your access point to all the events that are coming up, today's teaching, the songs that we sang and things like that. So here are the three things that we want to talk about today. And you can sign up for all of them on the hub. So the first one is Father's Day. We want to do something special for the dads. What do dads like? They like, you know, cars and motorcycles and things like that. And so we're kind of doing a cruise in here um, during Father's Day Sunday morning. So we're encouraging dads. Um, you don't have to be a dad. Like one of the young adults has a really sweet Jeep and she's a girl. She says, can I bring my Jeep? I'm like, absolutely, just register it. We want to have a section off in the parking lot where, you know, clean up the chrome on your motorcycle, polish wheels on your, you know, your Challenger, right? Bring in your vintage, whatever it is, you know, uh, you know, 66 T-Bird or whatever it is that you've got. Bring in your Corvette, your Camaro, whatever. We just want to have those all lined up because it's, you know, what a fun thing to do to invite your dad, your cousin, your brothers, your neighbors, like, hey, come to church, but by the way, when we get done with church, we're going to go walk around the parking lot and check out all these cool rides. So if you've got a cool ride, uh, we would love, and if you don't think it's cool, check with me, I'll tell you, yes, it's cool. Uh, go online and register your ride, that way we kind of know how many parking spaces to save um, for you guys and plan to be a part of that. Right, great. Great opportunity to invite people who might not otherwise come to church, but would definitely go and look at some cool cars and some cool motorcycles, so sign up for that. All right, the following week. So that's next week. The following week, the 26th, Brian Hay, our new lead pastor, is going to be here. That's going to be his first official Sunday on the job. He's going to be preaching that day. His family is going to be here. And we're going to do a lunch reception for them as soon as the 11 o'clock service is over. So for you guys, um, you either got to stick around till the 11 or come back later, but we would love to have you there. But we'll do that as soon as the 11 o'clock service is over, probably starting around 1230. Uh, it's a great opportunity to meet Brian and Stephanie and their kids, um, and we're going we're gonna to feed you guys lunch, but we need to know how much food to get, so again, scan that, go on there, or visit on the hub. Right, we want to know who's going to be here for lunch. It's a really simple registration. It takes your name, you put the number of people in your family. Please don't Pick the 25. I think there's like a 25 option, uh, unless there really are 25 people. Most of it's going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? Something like that. So we want to do that for them. Um, 
So uh, in addition, we uh, as a church, as a family, I want to say welcome to our new lead pastor. Um, they're not from Maryland. They're, they live in Florida right now. We want to make them feel as Maryland welcome as absolutely possible. So if you've got a favorite restaurant or a coffee shop or something like that that you like to frequent, that you think they should frequent too, you know, if you're able to and you want to, there's no pressure. Uh, maybe pick up a gift card this week. There'll be a box out there on the, um, on the welcome desk, you know, that you can give them a gift card and say, hey, you should check out, you know, this is my favorite place or whatever. Help them really experience Maryland when they get here. Okay. Uh, last but not least, a Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School is a pretty big deal. Um, if you don't know what Vacation Bible School is, it is a few evenings full of intensive fun games, teaching, worship for our kids starting age two through fifth grade. And it's going to take place on August 15th, or 15th through the 18th. Yes, four nights. It's going to take place August 15th through the 18th from 6.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. It is going to be an opportunity for an all-hands-on-deck serving, right? Whether you love kids or don't love kids, whether you can stand kids or can't stand kids, there are places for you to volunteer. We would love for you to be a part of that. We need as many people possible to sign up for that, to register say, I would be glad to serve. Hide me away from those little guys or put me right in the middle of them, whatever that looks like. Let us know. We want you to be able to serve. This will be a blessing and encouragement to the kids here at our church, to the families and friends of the kids that go to this church, and also great outreach to our community. So go on uh, the hub, fortchristian.org, the hub, and do that, or you can scan that right there. Go ahead and sign up to help out with Vacation Bible School. We will have a sign-up registration for children coming soon, but right now we're just trying to get as many volunteers in place as absolute possible. Okay, and I said last, but there's one more announcement. This morning, um, a ring was found outside. I don't know where outside. Um, look at your fingers if you're missing one. Um, Russ Bohart uh, will be out by Russ. I don't know if you're listening or not. Russ will be at the welcome desk. Um, if you can identify your ring, um, Russ will be glad to give it back to you. Okay? All right. Cool. Well, thank you guys for being here today. So good to be with you. You guys go out and then, I don't know if it's raining or not, but just go out and enjoy your day. All right? Choose this. Don't choose that. All right? Have a good one.